This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the latest Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, and today I'm joined by Adam Jones, sitting right next right next to me, because we are in a, a lovely house bubble, and Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland, unfortunately, alone today, chaps. How are we? <laughs> Very well indeed, yeah. <laughs> good, to, uh, good, good to watch a, a nice, comfortable... It was relaxing last night for once, wasn't it? We, we just got the job done. It was. It was one of those games where in the second half, you can actually, you know, sort of find yourself drifting off into conversation with people. You're not actually on the edge of your seat worrying <laughs> about what was uh, what was happening. Yeah, it was. It was very professional. Um, I was delighted with the quality of the side that he sent out, delighted with the uh, the intensity that they showed, and then the quality of football that they produced. It really was, uh, you know, one of those, you know, enjoyable experiences which we can't have enough of. So it was great he was even able to, you know, bring players off to save them for the uh, the big game on Wednesday and then make a bit of history towards the end as well with a young t- a young Mr. Small arriving on t- into the fray. So, yeah, all in all, it was it was excellent, just what the doctor ordered. Got to be some negativity, though, Gav. What, what was your gripe? Was you screaming at the telly? <laughs> Should be six. <laughs> I, was, I was doing negativity at size. I don't know where they got the crowd uh, noises from, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've heard these. A local, a, lo- a local primary. I think I think it was still picking up the Gladys Lee playground from when I was there. <laughs> yeah. It sounded... I think somebody said it sounded like a, a school swimming gala, and I think that was probably <laughs> probably as good as uh, as good as anything. No real negatives, um, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of positives, which doubtless we'll talk about. I um, it was pretty pretty comfortable, but we made it pretty comfortable um, against the Sheffield Wednesday team who 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 had a go, didn't they? You know, made it a decent game, and uh, yeah. Sunday eight o'clock kickoff not exactly the something you'd look look forward to normally, but it was uh, it was a welcome experience to be fair. From the Adam from the warmth of my armchair. Don't even get me started. Genuinely, <laughs> it took me it took me all night last night to try and warm myself up. I, I stayed up watching the uh, watching the NFL last night, and part of that reason was just because I could watch it in bed and I could just stay warm, <laughs> which was oh, it was horrible. Adam, there are 40,000 people that would happily have swapped places with you. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd love people to have been there. It would have been a little bit warmer. It would have been, uh-huh. it would have been like tightly packed instead of just having the, yeah. the elements just lashed at yeah. me. Well, now that we've got uh, Gav's pattern to the moan out the way nice and early, we can we can get on to the good stuff. And and, and we'll start with Adam. I was, uh, I was reading his analysis this morning and, and a, a lovely chunk on on James Rodriguez, and, and I suppose after watching that game last night, Adam, I mean, that messy lad at Barcelona seems <laughs> decent. Ronaldo at Juve must be an OK player, but I think it's confirmed now, James Rodriguez, the best footballer of all time ever. <laughs> <laughs> Some statement. Uh, I think we've still, got to, we've still got to keep in mind the opposition that we were playing. Obviously, you know, we wanted Everton to put in that kind of performance and we kind of expected Everton to do quite well against a side that are, you know, admittedly have had a good run of form recently, but are struggling in a, in the championship. So, you know, but that notwithstanding, I think that was one of the best performances that we've seen from James Rodriguez since he joined. And that's exactly the reason that Evertonians were so excited to see him come to the club, you know, despite 
people saying, oh, he's 29, he's never done it in the Premier League, this, that, the other. You know, these are the kind of performances that Evertonians you know, were envisaging that Carlo Ancelotti was going to be able to bring out of him from the first couple of minutes. Then he just he walked onto the pitch and he was like, right, okay, I'm, I'm playing well today. Because I want to sit back on the bench, I want to get my big coat on, yeah, and I just want to, I just want to have a bit of a rest, have a bit of a sit down. So for the for the majority of the game, he was popping up absolutely everywhere. He was dropping deep almost next to to Corey and Gomez for a lot of the time, picking up the ball from deep, either knocking it long to Richarlison or starting off a nice little intricate pass and move. You know, some of his touches around the edge of the box were fantastic. He should have had an incredible assist to Richarlison if he'd have just held his run a little bit better it would have been one of the best goals that we've seen this season thanks to that assist and then he obviously did get his two fantastic assists uh, with those crosses uh, from corners in the second half it was just it was an amazing performance he just floated around the pitch did essentially everything that he wanted to do completely dominated the game and yeah for a for a free signing that we got in the summer it wasn't bad at all in in adam's analysis this morning preno he, he described hammers as looking like he was just kind of playing for fun in, in his own back garden. It, it did have that air to it, didn't it? And, you know, some of the passes he pulls off, he, he just pulls them off so easily, you know, and it, it's stuff that, you know, to, to even the average Premier League footballer is, is difficult, isn't it? And he's just doing these little flicks and tricks and passes with the outside of his foot. They land perfectly every time. You, as a as a man who has played a bit of football himself, you, you must just be so jealous of the everyone's <laughs> just jealous of that talent, aren't they? Surely you dream. You dream of a touch like that, don't you? Um, yeah, he was. He just oozed class from start to finish. I, I was sat there telling people, sat around me in the living room, just look at this, look at that, enjoy this. It was. I mean, you got to, as Adam says, you know, take into account the quality of the opposition. But And we did say in the, uh, the preview pod on Friday that we should have too much class for a championship team. But that still doesn't mean you're going to expect to see him turn it on the way in which he did. And it wasn't just like flat track bully stuff. I think uh, I saw a stat this morning. There were eight, I don't know, I forget what the phrase was, not key passes, but, you know, sort of goal-creating moments or chance-creating moments or something uh, that he was involved in, which is more than any other Everson player this season. Um, he just absolutely dominated it, but he dominated it in, like, this really enjoyable, classy style. It was, it was just, like, a joy to sit down and watch him. And you think back, and it's the kind of thing that, you know, so Everson fans used to believe that they had some kind of birthright to, you know, football in a particular style. All right, I'm going to say it, school of science, you know, that, that kind of uh, football, you know, you expect to see a certain quality of footballer playing for Everton. And we've had some, you know, in the past, you know, I'm thinking of your, your Kevin Sheedy's, your uh, Duncan McKenzie, dare I say, you know, Ball Harvey Kendall, uh, just players that play in a certain way. Uh, and it was just an absolute joy to watch. It was just so classy, but it was also really creative as well it wasn't just you know sort of throwing a Rabonin in for the sake of it you threw a Rabonin in to actually create an opening uh, for Sigurdsson to have a shot uh, it was I just loved it uh, you know one of the most enjoyable performances I've seen for a long long time but it was also effective it wasn't just enjoyable for the sake of it you actually had an end purpose to it as well yeah so yeah it just, it just put a gilding on it loved it absolutely loved it and Gav you've already mentioned the the BT Sport Sound effects and, and they treated us, didn't they, in the punditry to two Everton legends in Michael Owen and Steve <laughs> McManaman. <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting at the end when Owen was asked, you know, there was all this talk in the summer, was Hammers going to be a luxury? 
he's quite quickly turned into a necessity, hasn't he? I think that's a, a quite a nice way of putting it. Um, yes, no, definitely. He's still got to prove it to now in the end of the season, now, hasn't he? That's the thing. At this, I mean, what I would say though, which was encouraging, is he looked he looked really fit last night. Yeah, reflected in his, he had to say where he was pop, popping up. Um, he, he's obviously a necessity because he's a top class player, isn't he? Um, yeah. But in terms of proving it, success this season, he's still got half a season left. Where we've got like five, five of the top six, or whatever you call it, big six or whatever they, they are called these days. Um, <laughs> we've got to play them away from home. So our reserve judgment on how successful he's been for us this this season at the end of the campaign, and and that he's turned up in those games where we traditionally don't do well, and made a difference. So yeah, but encouraging. He's got to stay fit. Thought he was a echo. Perhaps thought there's one pass in the second half which reminds me of something in the mid eighties where he got it sort of in the inside right position, and Seamus was bombing up on the right hand side, and there's about like three players between him and Seamus, and he couldn't see Seamus, and he just played the ball in space, knowing that Seamus was going to run into it. You know, he took, like, three plays out the game, and uh, oh, that was tremendous. Yeah, he was, he was superb last night, notwithstanding the, the opposition and where they're at. And in, a, in an excellent team performance, we were, uh, we were very, very good. That, I mean... The one in the first half, what, what a great pass move that was when uh, Carl Bloom ended up hitting the keeper. Mm-hmm. Loads, of, loads, of time, yeah. loads of first time passes in and out there. Box ends up with Carl Bloom hitting the keeper, I think. Uh, but if it just flicked it inside, I think it might be Charles was there. Yeah, 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 it was superb. Really good game. It was. Uh, I'm on to It's a set piece delivery, proving once again, yeah. you know, so how important that is. You know, we, we relied quite heavily in the past on Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's decent, you know, so from set pieces, he's already created two himself this season from corners and free kicks. But that was, I think, his fifth set piece this season that we've you know, scored a goal from, four corners and one, you know, from a, a free kick. And that, that is quite remarkable when you think about, uh, you know, so other teams in the Premier League who are, are decent at set pieces. We are an absolute threat and a danger. And okay, it helps the fact that we've got, you know, so decent guys to attack the ball in the box, you know, so Yerry Mean and Michael Keane, uh, even Richarlison. But the delivery, I mean, Sigurdsson's good, but Rodriguez just takes it onto another level entirely. Uh, just the pace, the trajectory, the flatness of the delivery, it's just great, you know. And every time we get like a set piece now, you think well, something could happen here if he's on the ball. It's great to watch. Have you got the, the set piece statistics, Gav? I mean, when was the last time we scored so many goals from set pieces? We we must be on a fair few already this season. Oh, here we go. Sorry, sorry, to, sorry to throw you on the spot here. If you pull this off, it's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Sam. Well, I can't. The two banana for me. Well, they are. I've got I've got my own pink book here, which has got my own. Yeah, I, 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 think and, uh, I have. I mean, there's the incredible number. I mean, uh, obviously, Lucas Dean on the opening day uh, for DCL um, from a corner. Gilfie Sigerson's had two, uh, a corner uh, against Salford, a corner against Arsenal. And then you go to Rodriguez, and that's his fifth now, like I say, uh, four corners and then uh, one free kick against Brighton, which uh, Mina converted. So, you know, add them all together, five, six, and that's eight already this season, which is, uh, I, I 
think most Premier League teams would be struggling to match that. That's all competitions, to be fair. Uh, but, you know, it's considerable. You know, so we're... Uh, sorry, have I become the stat man now? I'm above all that type of stuff. Right now. It's, it's, <laughs> it's too modern, you know, uh, yeah. for me, that, you know, that individual rubbish. Statistics in a hardback book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, no, seriously. Um his facts set pieces are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah. You know, on a plate. Yeah. Very good last night. Very good. For people who haven't had the luxury of uh, sitting next to you for the last couple of years, Preno, I, I feel like we need to quickly just explain about your pink book and, and these <laughs> how many years have you been keeping this? These books going for now. Oh wow! Um, 1993 when I became the uh, the Everton correspondent. Uh, and you write every team, every goal scorer, every everything about each well, game. Well, when I started, I was really anarchist. I used to keep everything, you know, so reserve games, the lot. Um, but when I had a car stolen in about 1995, or broken into, and uh, a bag that was on the back seat, which had me a hardback book from the 93 to about 95, was robbed. Oh. Bizarrely, who would want to steal something like that? But they did. Uh, so I started again. I think, in I think you're probably taking the car, not the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've still got them all now from 95 up to the present day. And yeah, it's just um, lineups, bookings, substitutions, assists, things I think that will help us when it comes to putting together features and statistical analysis during the course of a season. And the only reason it's a pink book this year is because of lockdown. I used to get, you know, so Jane uh, to actually deliver these lovely hardback black books to us at uh, start of every season. But obviously, we've not seen anybody in the office for the last uh, for the last <laughs> 12 months. I had to go to the local hardware store to buy some. And that was the best he could do. But we're up to date, you know, so filled in last night's match this morning. So, yeah, they go back 20 odd years, 25 years. And, you know, I can see it all smirking there, but they are useful when it comes to writing features. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not smirking over that. Friend. I'm just saying, Sam, if you want any stats on the 93-95 period, you've got a box booking out about it. And you can get a decent lift as well by the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a car, as you say, like that, in Salem as well, so... Well, before we uh, before we get the ninety three ninety five stats, we should probably uh, get back on track slightly to to last night and what a moment it was, Adam. Uh, I, I was I was made up to see it. I didn't think he was going to do it, but when Carlo turns round and says Thierry Tyler, two great names by the way, yeah. get get your kit off, lads. You're going on, uh, and Thierry Small is the new Everton youngest ever appearance maker. It it just gives everyone a bit of a boost, that doesn't it? It's really nice to see, isn't it? And you know. Over the course of this season, I think, you know, obviously we had chances for youngsters at the start of the season. You know, we saw Branthwaite get in against Salford before he picked up that injury. Uh, we had Niels and Kunku play a few games. Anthony Gordon got a few games as well. Uh, Moise Keane, even like when he was still here, got, got a couple of games as well. But I think as the season gone on, like Carlo's, you know, gone away from giving opportunities too many times to youngsters. where He's like relied on more experienced heads in those sorts of situations. And it has paid off, of course. But, you know, you did think to yourself when you saw Thierry Small even named on the bench before the game, like you were thinking to yourself, oh, please, please make it a comfortable game just yeah. to just to make sure that he can get on. Because it, it is just nice to witness a little moment of history like that. We haven't seen it since Jose Baxter was was given his debut. Obviously, I think Thierry Small beats him by 15, 15 days, is it? Yeah. To be Everton's youngest ever player. 
And you know, from the performances that he's had in the 23s, he only got his 23s debut in October, was it? So yeah, he's yeah. had he's had quite a meteoric rise uh, through the ranks. But his performances, I think, have absolutely deserved uh, a first team call up. Tyler on Yango as well. He's been somebody that we've been watching for probably a good year now, more yeah. than, more than that even. Like, and every, every single time I think I've seen him for the under 23s, I've thought to myself, he's he's quite a player. Him, you know, he's he's 17, but he's absolutely massive for his age, and he plays like that as well. I think he's got a speed of thought that like a lot of other players at that level don't really have. And I think he even had that before he was training with the first team, which is a, a really good sign for him. So to see him come on, have a few nice little touches, put, put a couple of tackles in in the centre mid, you know, that was really nice for him to have as well. And, you know, these two youngsters might not get an opportunity like that again for the rest of this season. You know, we've got coming into the business end of the season now, Carlo's probably not going to turn towards youngsters all that much. Like, let's say, in all honesty, we're probably going to have spares in the next round of this competition, for example. There's going to be much less opportunity that he's going to bring on a 16 and a 17-year-old against spares than he would, you know, at home to a side like Sheffield Wednesday, all, all due respect to them. But, yeah, like, it, it was great to see them get what could be a rare opportunity this season, and I think both of them really deserved it, and congratulations to them. Could just to stick, stick with you for a moment as well, I think anyone who watched last night will have seen a few glimpses of that kind of raw, ferocious pace that Thierry Small has got, and he's going to be a really attacking fullback. He's already mm. scored his first goal for the under 20s. What kind of midfielder, for people listening who might not have seen as much of Tyler, is he? Is he a hold midfielder? Is he box to box? Is he attacking midfield? I'd say he fits into that box to box mold, uh, if anything. It, I don't think he really compares to many of the midfielders that Everton have got at the minute. I think yeah. he's, he's very, he's Hugely energetic. He's got a good amount of pace on him himself. He's very, as I say, very physical for his uh, for his age. But I think his ability on the ball is what sets him apart. Really, I think you know he's he scored a few goals for the for the under twenty threes over the last few months. Uh, I think he's scored one against the. Uh, he's like watched them against a couple of months ago. I can't even remember now. Uh, <laughs> we'll find it. Yeah, yeah, genuinely can't even remember. But uh, he scored a really nice goal in that game. Like Andy, Chelsea. Andy, yeah, Chelsea. Andy Gordon set him up. Playing against but, uh, Danny Drinkwater in yeah, his field. Well, and he, yeah. he dominated them. Yeah. He dominated them at 17 years old. So, I mean, I think that kind of shows you shows you the type of lad he is. I think he's I think he's got a lot in his locker. I think defensively, if he's going to be a box-to-box mid- midfielder, I think defensively there's a few areas that he can improve. Obviously, I think he's got, you know, just in terms of like, position and you know those kinds of things that come with experience essentially you're playing playing at a higher level but you know I, I think he's got all the attributes that it's going to take for him to be a success in the future and I hope I, I really do hope that he gets more opportunities in the first team over the next you know coming weeks and months hopefully. Crown, me, me and Adam were, were looking back this morning and then and we've seen that a, a full-time a permanent Everton manager Adam Given an academy graduate, a debut in the first team since Roberto Martinez. Obviously, in that time, we've had David Unsworth. Joe Royal gave a few lads debuts in that Norwich game, but they were part-time. And then when Sam Allardyce kind of bizarrely sent Craig Shakespeare, Shakespeare, yeah, yeah to... Uh, <laughs> that name today. I've been calling him Shakeshaft all day because my mate is <laughs> Shakeshaft. Um, <laughs> and my maths teacher in school as well, little shout out there. Um and Craig Shakespeare, obviously one of the more famous recent ones, blooded four or five lads against Apollon Limassol. It, 
It shows the respect that Carlo Ancelotti has for Everton and the kind of famous academy, doesn't it? It does, but also I think it shows you how cute and how clever he is. Because uh, yeah. Thierry Small is attracting attention from all over Europe. We know that we've seen, you know, sort of links by Munich, who seems to scour Europe, especially you know, sort of the, the Premier League, you know, for, for young talents. And uh, they've been, you know, sort of keeping designs on him. He's a very you know, highly sought-after young man. It was, I think, he was eleven, was he, when Everton signed him, which staggered me. That you know, so they've got scouts that are actually looking around the country for eleven-year-olds and uh, brought him from West Brom. And um, the well, fact what that about he's... the seven-year-old goalkeepers that get signed, Preno? I can get released. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall, recall by a Munich uh, targeting you. <laughs> no, I mean it just underlines that you know, so Ancelotti likes this lad a lot and he knows uh, you know so people across europe are casting covers his glances towards him and so yeah. he's trying to do all he can to try and you know so and imprint upon the lad that look your future you know so is here at goodison park and what more can you do than giving him a bit of first team exposure at the age of 16 you know literally three or four months after he made his under 23 debut if that doesn't make you feel wanted nothing will do so i think it was done largely with that in mind as well i yeah. mean obviously alice sims was on the bench like the previous game and uh he decided to put you know so small and on yango on this time so yeah, I think it was done as as a signal to him. Look, you know, so you have got a long term future here. Don't have your head turned uh, by you know so people elsewhere, because you know playing for Everton Football Club at that age is hugely significant. I remember um, for many many years, Joe Royal. That was one of the proudest moments of his life. He says, "Okay, you know, he won the FA Cup as a manager. He won a league as a player. Um, you know, he achieved so many things with Everton." But he always used to say that being the youngest player to play for Everton meant more to him than anything. He loved it. And he was genuinely quite upset and quite disappointed when it was finally beaten, you know, so <laughs> in, the, in, in the 90s. And then Jose Baxter, you know, so, you know, claimed it. But he had it for 20-odd years. And I think Joe still clung to the fact that I think he was the youngest starter for a while because yeah. uh, Baxter came off the bench. And then I think Baxter came, was at the opening day of the season against Blackburn when, when Baxter started. So yeah. it means a lot. And, uh, you know, you saw from Thierry Small's uh, Instagram post this morning, it also means a lot to him, you know, so to actually appear, okay, no fans in there, but just to appear in a first-team match. And, you know, so the players will make a big deal of it and make a big fuss of him and the supporters will on social media. But bottom line is I think that Carlo Ancelotti rates him enormously, uh, which is why he wants to send him a signal to say that, look, you know, there's a long-term future for you here. He's got a tough track ahead of him because, you know, so left-back is a very, very competitive area of the team, that, you know, that entire left side. And he's got, you know, a lot to do to try and dislodge people like Nkanku and then ultimately, you know, so Lucas Dean. But he's a kid. You know, so he's a very, very, you know, so young player who's got an awful lot of improving to do. But I think that just sends him a signal. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I, I floated the idea to Adam earlier, Gav, that maybe Thierry Small could could follow a, a similar route to Seamus Coleman. He's he's got absolutely bags of pace. Could he potentially make a way into the first team squad a little bit further forward over the next couple of years? Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, could get him integrated into the club, haven't you, really, and into the periphery of the first team before we get to that point. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, literally baby steps, isn't it, really? Um, just get yourself, you know, physically right, build yourself up, all that type of stuff before people decide to be best position is. Yeah, maybe, maybe, perhaps so. 
Perhaps so, but um, we'll see. I think you just got it. I think before then, you you physically got to develop. You've got to obviously the mental side's a big thing with footballers. All that type of stuff needs to be done before we decide what his best position is. I thought it was symbolic. Did he come on for uh, Hammers as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's not too bad. <laughs> I, I thought that was quite a smart move as well. Yeah. So you come on, you're coming off Hammers or three guys here. You know, I thought that was it. Well, about more backs than the design. I just thought that was a smart move. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't judge where his best position. Yeah, people people change, don't they? Over time, as Pano said, there's a lot of competition. Hopefully, on that left side over the next four or five years. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But you know, from from what you lads have said, he's obviously hugely hugely promising. And if he's been looked at from other other countries. By Munich, looking after him, looking after me, most people, because we know what the Germans are like with young talent as well. And to to stick with you, then Gav, I think one of the uh, one of the, the best parts of last night was to see the the smile on the face of Dom, and in particular Richarlison when they got their goals. They they've had a, a couple of, of lean spells, and obviously Dom had yeah. his injury as well. What perfect time, and I think to, to for them to get back on the score sheet before Leicester, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought you were going to say uh, the Charleston smile when he was getting substituted, to be honest with yourself. He was obviously really happy about that, wasn't he? Which is, which is good to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of good news stuff going on last night. And, uh, you know, Leicester's obviously a different game, but it wouldn't have done either of them any arms to get the name on the uh, on the score sheet, uh, to be fair. I mean, the Charleston had one shot off in the third half as well. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good news. I think if you're a slider, if you're going through a goal, so was, then uh, it's supposed to get your name on the on the score sheet again. So hopefully, you can do the same on Wednesday. Do you think that gives Everton a boost, Adam? Especially, I think with Richarlison, he, he, he had we spoken about it quite a few times on the podcast, hadn't we? He was he was playing like a man frustrated, like a, a, a man almost too anxious to get a goal. Mm, yeah, like there were signs in the first half. I thought that he was. You know, just trying that little bit too hard. You know, when he'd pick up the ball and try and run with it, you know, he'd just overhit it and he'd hit it, hit it into a defender or something like that. Or he'd just, you know, like with that pass from Rodriguez, he just made that run a little bit too early. As you say, he was, you know, a little bit too anxious. But I thought in the first half, he was still playing well. You know, he had that header that was tipped onto the bar, which was a really good save. You know, that could have, that could have broken his duck. And then obviously, he had that goal disallowed as well. That was very close to breaking his duck, but he didn't give up. He, he didn't, he didn't, you know, get too frustrated or down tools or anything like that. And I think, you know, obviously we've talked about Rodriguez's cross uh, into the box for Richarlison's goal, but I don't think a lot of people have really talked about how hard it is for Richarlison still. You know, he's still got to rise the highest inside that box. He's still got to anticipate the flight of the ball and he's still got to flick it into that perfect area in the far corner and he does all of that expertly you know he does that as if he was striker in form to be honest and you know you could i think that's that's the biggest thing that we can take out of it and is that you know he's still got those all of those natural instincts and you know maybe it, it, it does kind of show that he does need to be in those central areas you know getting onto the end of chances like that which is going to get uh the, the best out of him which you know brings up that age or base again of what actually is his best position yeah but, I think aside from that, as you're saying, you know, we're heading into you know, two crucial games, I'd say, this week, not just the Leicester game, but the Newcastle game as well. We want to, we want to be winning both of them, seeing, seeing as they're 
at Goodison. So we're going to need our best players to be performing in both games. And Richarlison certainly is one of those. He's he's somebody you can you know produce that you know one bit of quality that you need sometimes to win those games with a tight margin. So you know, fingers crossed, Richarlison can take a little bit of confidence from that. Hopefully, he's not going to be trying too hard in the Leicester game or the Newcastle game. Hopefully, he can just you know sit back, relax a little bit. You know, play, play, just play essentially with his mates Dominic Calvert Lewin and Richard Hamas uh, Rodriguez up front. You know, play some nice football along with them too. And fingers crossed, we'll be able to cause uh, Leicester and Newcastle a uh, fair few problems this week. We are hoping for two more big victories. Preno, we, we we look to Leicester coming to Goodison. There was that great victory over them uh, just before Christmas. I think this is probably one of the first games in a while where you're looking at it and it's quite difficult to choose a starting lineup, isn't it? I think the, the big talking points, if, if Dean comes back in, you'd imagine he goes to left back. Does does Ben Godfrey go over to right back? Does Seamus Coleman keep his place? Obviously, Michael Keane's got to come back in. Andre Gomez has got a couple of assists in the last few games. Alex Awobi could be back. What, what are you thinking is going to be the... Uh, the big decisions for Carlo Ancelotti, and, and what would you do if you if you put yourself in his in his shoes? I, I think we're going to see a Carlo Ancelotti, you know, sort of tactical, you know, sort of master planner game because it's a really really tough game. This as was the one, you know, so at Leicester pre Christmas, and he did a job on them, did an absolute number on them that day. You know, so completely suffocated them. Uh, I know Leicester at home are a very different beast to Leicester away. Uh, they're a bit like Man United, and you know, they're so good on the counter. Although having said that, Jamie Vardy's missing now, you know, so that's yeah. that's a big plus in our favour. Um, but I just think Carlo's team thinking will revolve around around Leicester, and you shouldn't really, you know, worry about the opposition that much. But clearly, he does. He'll set up his team uh, to to counter Leicester. So you know, so quite what that means in practice, I don't know. Obviously, Decore is a big miss, uh, as is Alan. Uh, centre midfield worries me a little bit. You know, so Tom Davis, I think, will clearly come in. Gomez, we saw a much better Gomez last night, but you know, will he do that again against Premier League opposition? I don't know. Um, but to answer your question about the defensive changes, yes, I think Ben Godfrey probably will play right back, and that is probably harsh on Seamus Coleman. But you know, it's only three days after playing on a Sunday night. Uh, Godfrey physically looks like he can handle it, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. And I think we need to be compact, we need to be tight, we need to be aware of how dangerous Leicester are. Uh, on the counter or transition or whatever the phrase it is to use nowadays, which is why I think we might see a more conservative setup, uh, which would involve Godfrey, you know, so sort of going across to right back, you know, so I'm playing there. But then again, you know, so who knows? He's quite capable of taking us all by surprise again. I think Michael Keane will come back in, obviously, um, probably alongside me, and I think Holgate will drop out. But centre midfield or the midfield area is the one he needs to get it absolutely right. And I think he will. Uh, I think he'll set up his team depending on you know what he expects Leicester you know, to come up with that night. So it could be, you know, so a really intriguing tactical battle on Wednesday. Do you agree with that, Gav? Is it going to be a compact Everton? I mean, it would be if Alex Owobi was fit enough to come back in, it, it would be quite harsh on, on his recent form, wouldn't it, for him to to miss out. But if you're thinking it'd be Rodriguez, Calvert Lewin and Richarlison up front, then he, he probably wouldn't find space for a Wobie in his in a starting lineup, if you're Carlo Ancelotti, what's what, what's your preference for the game on Wednesday? Um, we've got many options here, haven't we? I, I, 
looking at our defensive record on this good run we've been on since we got beat by was at United in the league. Been on a really good run when we lost them two home games. Um, well, three if you count the United match. Um, I don't know. I think Godfrey will play. He got subbed last night, didn't he, Godfrey? Which is normally an indication, isn't it, that he's being saved? It's yeah, an indication he'll be playing on Wednesday. Um, yeah. So I think he'll play three at the back. No, perhaps not. Just think if he had three at the back, three centre halves and play Luke Dean wide left, like we did at Wolves. Um, if you go with four at the back, it then becomes awkward. One thing I don't like is play 4 2 3 1. Davis and Gomez just can't play the mid- midfield two against Leicester. They just get over that and, you know, Gomez is a liability, he has no say defensively. So I think that's that's going to be a problem for us. I think that area, as Dave was saying, our big Tom, Tom has played reasonably well and he's, 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 you know, he's been in the team over the last month or so. So I just don't, just thinking about if you go 4 2 3 1, you are going to play, obviously, DCL, you're going to play Richarlison, you're going to play Sigurdsson, you're going to play Hammers. That just leaves the two defensive midfielders, which is going to be Gomez and Gomez and Davis, which is an ideal, is it? Um, you know, so I'll be, it'll be the other alternative is if you play four three three, you drop Sigurdsson and you play Iwobi, maybe just to tighten up the, the, you know, tighten up the middle of the park a little bit more. That could be an option where Iwobi gets in, but you'd have to drop Sigurdsson then, which is, you know, okay, fair enough. Well, I've always been excellent, hasn't he, in the, in the sun as well. So, I would mark 4 3 3. That would, I would not be unhappy with that, to be honest with you. 4 2 3 1 with Davis and Gomez is just uh, asking for trouble for me. I was having a, I was having a great Monday there, to be honest. And, and Gav has just reminded me that the core was suspended. I completely I'd forgotten all about that, like a bad dream. Yeah. So, that, that was the big question, really, isn't it, Adam? The, the midfield, yeah. I, I. Personally, I think it still probably will be a 4-3-3-1, but in my head, I think, why not just put Ben Godfrey in there <laughs> and be, so, be, be the defensive midfielder because he's played there before. Yeah. You know, obviously, it was very different circumstances when he was on loan at Shrewsbury, so it's been a while since he's played there, but you know, he's been playing at left-back for us over the last few weeks and he's done really well. I just think he is, he's so versatile and he's you know such a chameleon at this point that we, I think we could chuck him in there and he'd, I think he'd be... Absolutely fine. I'd love, I'd love to have him, you know, playing in front of Mina and uh, Mina and Keane. You know, maybe have, maybe have Holgate as the right back and then put a uh, put Luca Dean at left back because I think he brings you know a bit of defensive nous into that area. He's got you know bags of energy, bags of pace as we as we've seen. I think he's you know fairly creative, you know, in his in his own way when he gets up up and down that left flank as well. So it's not as if we're going to be losing, you know, somebody you can you know play a few nice passes in the midfield area. So I, I just I'd maybe I'd maybe just throw him in there to be honest. I just think that's gonna be the best way to keep things as tight as possible against Leicester because, you know, as Gab rightly says, I, I think if we played Gomez and Davis there, I would be a little bit concerned, especially given the form that James Madison's on at the minute. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost be tempted to put Godfrey in there and just say man mark Madison. Yeah. And just to completely take him out the game with the form that he's in. and then you know, play around from there. I think, you know, with them having Vardy out, I think it's going to give the defenders a bit of an easier time. You know, they're going to be up against either probably Perez or Ian Acho, but it's going to be much easier than playing against Vardy on the counter-attack. So if we just tell Godfrey in, in there, just 
man Mark Madison, he'll be absolutely sound at that. And I think that, you know, that takes away one of one of Leicester's you know, biggest assets. So I, I genuinely wouldn't be against that. Treno, Ben Godfrey, centre mid. Would, would you oh. be would you be game for that? <laughs> no, yeah, but largely yeah. because yeah. I, 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 it's, it's been like like Adam said, it's been so long since he's played uh, there, and you know, it was a completely different level of football entirely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would have said exactly the same about Mason Holgate playing there at Old Trafford. And yeah, he did, he did great, didn't he? Um, last season. So I just think it's a real gamble that, you know, when we have, you know, sort of midfield players who are capable of doing that role. I mean, Sigurdsson played centre mid uh, at Leicester uh, in the, the win just before Christmas. And, you know, could that be something you might think of again? Although, admittedly, that was a strange game, that one, because Alan was absolutely tearing the game up, wasn't he? And then went off after the 40 odd minutes, you know, with a hamstring, and we had to, we had to reshuffle. Um, I just, I don't like square pegs in round holes. I'd like to see players, you know, who play a particular position continuing with that. But having said that, I totally get why Gomez would concern you. I mean, even last night, there were a couple of moments, you know, where he looked a little bit, uh, reckless you know so in, in his challenges around the penalty box um and you just always think that there's a dangerous free kick or a penalty likely to come from some of his challenges having said that you know how well did he create that opening goal you know so wonderful yeah. bit of a skill and you know so a great cross and it's you know another great cross was it wolves you know so it's a crazy goal so you know there are flashes of you know the old Gomez returning uh, but we want to see that in the top third of the pitch not in the bottom third of the pitch so, bottom line is, I've no idea. <laughs> we'll have to just wait and see while, uh, what, what Carlo drops on us on, uh, on Wednesday evening. But to answer the question, yeah, in, uh, I'm not yeah. sure about Ben Godfrey in midfield. In, in a perverse way, is Carlo's team selection hard because Vardy isn't playing? Could be, yeah. Could pro- be. If Vardy was playing, you'd probably have a clearer idea about the Cecil B team. Yeah. yeah, with Vardy not playing, it's just that you know you don't know how Leicester are going to approach it, you know. So uh, in some respects, it's harder to do. With Vardy not playing, Abbey, it's probably going to be an easy game, I think. But they're they're on a really good run, aren't they? As well, I was thinking, you know, when you're saying about Godfrey, about it's a big game, isn't it? That's is this our most important league game since the end of the Mar- Martinez's first season? I think it's probably too e- too early to tell at this point, isn't it? I. I- I think that well, Southampton game with Martinez was always the one that sticks in my head, the away one, wasn't it? Where if we'd have won that, we'd have been in pole position. Yeah, yeah, the Palace game at home, wasn't it? Just thinking, yeah. think we're, are we six points behind them? It's a real six points of this, really, for teams who are in and around the top four. Yeah. I think, we're, are we six points behind them, but I've got two games down? So, so if we win with, with three points. Like if you're saying that, I won't argue with you. Yeah, I, I, something like that. I know we're six win all down. of a sudden. There's a big gap between them and us. We're three yeah. points behind Liverpool with two games in hand. I know that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean. It's a massive, it's a massive game which could dictate how the rest of the, the Premier League season goes for us. We get beat yeah. all of a sudden, but you know we've got to win games in hand just to stay in contention. But if we win. We're in contention with games in hand. Yeah, it's, so it's, a, it's, it's I think it's a massive game. For, for consistency purposes, when you know yeah. you look at our run, and we've had so many great wins this season. I mean, more away wins than at any time since you know God knows when. But we had that West Ham home defeat, we've had that Leeds home defeat, and we've had that really crushing defeat at Newcastle when we were, were poor. And that just every time we get a little bit of momentum, it seems to be checked by you know a result like that. 
which is why yeah. it's important to, you know, I hate that phrase, send out a statement. But, you know, it does, doesn't it? You know, so if we beat Leicester, we might suddenly have to stop moaning about BBC, ignoring us from our top six lineups because suddenly they'll have to because it'll be like, well, Willow, where did Everson come from? Wow. You know, so <laughs> they, they look like they might be actually exactly. making a push for the top four now. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Fano. It is, yeah. put it all in that context, it is a massive game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for yeah. us. Uh, it's probably a bigger game for us than Leicester. But I, I, I cannot underst- you know, understate how, how, how big a game it is on Wednesday. Well, Gav, you're getting me, uh, you're getting me up for this one already. So before we come to the, uh, the prediction for the for the Leicester game, Preno, when we were putting together the timetable for this uh, for this podcast today, Adam wanted me to mention uh, bring up the subject of predictions, and, and I think you made them a a promise. So can can you can you put on record to the Royal Blue Podcast uh, listeners? Will, will you be holding up your end of the bargain? Maybe when we're back in the office one day, maybe sometime. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't need to wait till then. I'm a man of my word. So, you know, just oh, yes. for those that didn't hear the podcast uh, last week, actually, if you never heard the podcast at the start of the season, Adam was on this ridiculous roll of, uh, he predicted four, two wins and, you know, so sort of five, two wins, really surreal predictions. So he predicted, I think it was a three, two win in the derby. And I said, look, if you get that right, I'm buying you the bottle of champagne. <laughs> and anyway, we, know, we know how close that came. Unfortunately, he didn't get the bottle of champagne and we didn't get the, uh, you know, sort of the derby match victory. But he went for 3-0 against Sheffield Wednesday. And I was you know, a bit more conservative. I said, yeah, I like that. If you get that right, I'll buy you a bottle of beer. Uh, so, like I say, I'm a man of my word. I think Kozel is his preferred brew. So just keep an eye on the other postman over the next few days and you, you might receive something. Through the And I'm not making this a regular thing either, so don't get you know, so don't expect it every week. <laughs> we might have to do a special Kozel podcast. Yeah. We'll just sit there drinking it. Just me, yeah. Just me drinking. Watching it. you swigging. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, Gav, I'll start with you. You're billing it. I think we can all remember Gav two minutes ago saying the biggest game in Everton's history ever <laughs> against Leicester. What what's your what's your prediction? I've got to say it's our goal is sore after all that. I've nice Sam, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I want to say words like statement of intent followed by a 2-0 Everton victory. Wow. Ooh, so there. I'll bite your hand off with that. Preno? I'm going to go for a Carlo Ancelotti tactical master plan again. Uh, he's going to set up his team to totally frustrate Leicester and uh, chisel out openings as we did in the away game. Not quite as confident as Gav in us keeping a clean sheet, although defensively we looked okay uh, the last month or so. But I can still see them, you know, sort of chiseling out chances and maybe taking one of them. But that still doesn't mean that we're not going to win. Everson two, Leicester one. Adam, are you going to do a clean sweep of victories? I am going to do a clean sweep of victories and nice. I'm going to kind of marry the two. I think, you know, I think we will set up very, very nicely defensively and I do see us keeping a clean sheet, but I can see, you know, Leicester being quite resolute defensively as well. They'll be more, more in tune to what we're going to, uh, what we're going to bring to the party, I think. So I think maybe a little one nil, okay. little Everton one nil. Well, I'm, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna spoil the party a little bit. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for one one. But I think that uh, as long as we don't lose, it's still a better result for us than than it would be for Leicester. And I think obviously the core could be a big miss, um, and Leicester are in good nick and, and James Madison in good form as well. But mm. without 
without Jamie Vardy and his parties, who knows what could happen. So <laughs> hopefully we'll we'll be back on Thursday, I imagine, or maybe Friday, talking about a big, big win for Everton. And we did win very much in contention for not only the Champions League, but for the Premier League title. And who would have thought we'd have been saying that? <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. We will be uh, filing police charges against Gav for Preno's car once we uh, <laughs> <laughs> updated on that and Adam's beer delivery. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We've been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.